Hi, I'm Angela East and welcome to another edition of the East Meets West podcast. This podcast is proudly focused on Western Australia, the engine room of the Australian economy. From the CEOs, company directors, brokers, entrepreneurs and everyone in between, East Meets West is a deep dive into what makes the greatest state on earth tick. On this episode of the East Meets West podcast, I'm chatting with Tony LeCantro, Investment Manager for Alto Capital, an investment and corporate advisory firm that has successfully listed several private companies on the ASX and completed capital raisings for both private and public companies, including startups. West Perth-based Alto identifies companies with growth potential in a range of sectors, including resources, and helps to take them to the next stage. Tony joins me to discuss the recent RIU Explorers Conference, how to identify stocks with good growth potential, and his hot stock picks. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. Thanks, Angela. Absolute pleasure to be here, and I'm honoured to follow the almighty Rick Rule. You recently attended the RIU Explorers Conference in Fremantle, which witnessed an all-time record turnout this year. What is your take on the sentiment there, and what are some of your key takeaways from the conference? I I think this year the the vibe was still fairly subdued and I, I put that down to the the smashing of the lithium price I don't think there was much speculative further further towards lithium at all and I think there's a, a high level of I think the level of disinterest now has has increased once once a speculative bubble bursts and there didn't seem to be much excitement around nickel obviously nickel the nickel industry had has its own set of problems, uh, not much excitement around copper. So, look, a subdued vibe, a lot of the industry still talking to the industry. And I have, even though I have a completely shaped head, I have an index called the Male Pattern Baldness Index, which to me indicates excitement in the market, which is governed by an injection of youth. And I still don't see much in the way of the young people getting interested in beaten up resource stocks. So, yeah, kind of um, still very busy, uh, lots to do. I, I walked around and got lost many times. It is a, a great conference. He does. Stewie has done well setting up the bar. You know, you've got the bar facility there. The auditorium's great. So I enjoyed it, but it was pretty intense. Just on that front then, talking about the use, um, the lack of use in, in getting into um, resources stocks, what, what do you think is needed there to grow that interest in that demographic? I see it as a combination of excitement, uh, listening to other people make money. And what, what, what you had with the youth was they all became addicted to crypto and then, obviously, a lot of them have become addicted to vaping. So there's, they get addicted to money, they get addicted to Lambos, but once other sectors dry up, then they're going to have to suddenly realise that um, they may have to start buying penny resource stocks, and it only takes some trading momentum to drive that. And I've noticed through my 26 years of doing this that the growth in genuine investors is still very low. So it just takes winners. You have stories on a current affair of trading groups, share market clubs investing money in these stocks and they're all making money and then that's probably the time to sell. So I'm probably not too hopeful that 
these stocks will become popular because a lot of them are going to have, have rallies via stealth, but we still need an injection of excitement into these sectors because they have been beaten up and a lot of them have been forced to raise money. What resource stocks, it's for those that are feeling a bit of love um, from investors, what resource stocks are you noticing investors are gravitating towards right now? Are they more sector focused or is it stock specific? I, I think it's stock specific and whatever has a pulse, they'll they'll jump on. Lithium sector had what I believe a brief dead cat bounce and then they'll go back to sleep. So I think they're FOMO-driven. There is a lot of trading activity in the market at the moment, and I have seen periods where you know stocks have had exponential increases intraday. So anything with a pulse, no one's really buying proactively. They would rather buy on a reactive basis, which means they'll buy after the results and there'll be a frenzy. And what I've seen in the past is that any major discovery, that they tend to overshoot to the upside. So those companies that can drill for big deposits, elephants as I'd call them, uh, can still do exceptionally well. Given the lack of interest in resources stocks at the moment, do you think many are undervalued and for investors now it's a good time to be looking for a cheap entry point? Oh, for sure. I've, I've looked at some valuations on gold stocks in particular. Uh, you can also look at copper. And these things, some of them are trading close to shell value. And, and that's unheard of when you can buy before, before a speculative run. And as we're saying, the uranium resurgence has been largely by, by stealth. You know, the major uranium stocks have had decent runs. The uranium price breached $100. Uh, look, it was nothing like the 2005-2006 madness, but at least uh, there's been some joy in that sector, and rightfully so, because that price pressure to the upside was certainly there, and now uranium prices are going to incentivise new production. So I think it's a win all around. So that, that clearly illustrates uh, what can happen when interest returns, and I'm hopeful that that will return to copper. And even though the Australian gold price isn't that far off an all-time high and the gold stocks with resources in the ground are trading at a fraction of what they should be. So to me, this is like buying beachfront property in the early 90s, uh, even eastern states. So that's, that's the opportunity for the brave and those that haven't been wiped out over the last couple of years. So when you look at resource stocks then that you think have good growth potential, what are the main things you look for? Straight straight to management. I've learnt over a long period to bat quality people, won't tell lies, that won't destroy the share structure. I look at their backgrounds. We did you do have quite a few managers of much larger companies, talented geologists. So I look I look at the management. I often get to know management. I eyeball them. Um, in a previous life, I was a serving police officer. So I think I have a pretty good bullshit detector. And it, it does it does work. Then once I've looked at management, I'll look at the share structure. I'll look at uh, what style of stock it is. Is it one that's going to fight for every cent, a lot of trading activity, or... Is it a stock 
that um, I have a saying which I, I overuse, um, it could run like a canyon. I mean, they, they, they can run forever. So they just go on these free-flowing runs. So I work out the share structure. I work out uh, the major shareholders as well. So I look at the top 20. Um, I obviously keep that information to myself um, because that's my intellectual property and I don't like to openly bag companies. I, I just stay positive. So management, share structure, style of stock, and then, then Angela, I carry out my own uh, messy A4 paper risk-reward analysis where I look for stocks primarily with 400 500% upside potential, 30 to 50% downside. And often in the last couple of years, some of these stocks are down plus that, some of them from the peg down 80%. And I'm going to work out, would we buy them at that price level? And the answer in, in most cases is a resounding yes, even though clients holding them uh, probably want to punch me in the nose. Project location is obviously important given the differing regulations explorers have to navigate around the world. Um, how much of a focus do you have on stocks that have projects in WA? Well, once, once I focus on all the other elements of, of a company, you know, I, I look – You've got to look at permitting. You've got to look at how long title agreements. Uh, they've got to work out a study if there's a rare frog on the ground. And I've seen where you have to case drilling. Is there rare, a rare plant of zero significance, but this you know could still hold up a mining project? So I think you've got to look at there are studies on uh, the best places to explore and I'm, I think my top stocks are all in the right places. So more of that to follow. With Western Australia being the largest mining state in Australia and previously ranked as a top investment jurisdiction by the Fraser Institute, what do you think the state does particularly well to encourage mining investment? Well, we're seeing uh, government grants to, to co-fund diamond drill holes so they're actually funding partially the elephant hunters to make a big discovery, and I think that's a tremendous incentive uh, for those companies. And that is, I just think that's a fantastic venture. Uh, some projects uh, are also getting an R and D incentive as well, where you get you can get up to forty three. I think it's forty three and a half percent of your money back. Uh, some of my specific examples aren't always in WA. So you get R&D and you get co-funding from the government as well. And I think I think that really inspires companies to go out and drill for these big targets. And if you find a mine, as you know, um, you, you tend to overshoot to the upside and you also create a lot of employment and uh, the company pays a lot of tax. So, no, that's that's a fantastic side of where the government can certainly help mining companies. Okay, so on the flip side of that, where do you think the state needs to improve? Well, for starters, they really botched it with that that, that heritage side, the Aboriginal heritage. I, I, there's one thing I don't talk about and I hate is politics um, because, for me, they're all the same, but that, that was a major cluster and that really dragged it down. And luckily, 
it's it's been reversed. I just want to see a lot of these titles and the right to drill expedited. And I think mining companies are bogged down in a lot of admin, a lot of studies. I just think we need to streamline that process, make it easier and get out and drill some decent holes and hopefully create wealth for everyone, especially to rescue townships. So, yeah, there there is a negative that that side of it was that they um, put a Band-Aid on it, which was great. So what would you say would be your top five stock picks and are any WA focused? All righty. I do cover a lot of companies um, and these top five can be a, a result of how I feel today. Um, it's like it's like having a lot of children and I'm asked which one's my favourite. Uh, obviously, I do have favourites, but I don't tell them that. So I'm happy to run through five stocks and only one of them doesn't have any WA projects. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we are WA-centric. Yeah, would you like me to fire away? Yeah, go for it. A gold stock I absolutely love is a company called Saturn Metals. Um, the code is Sierra Tango November, or in Wheel of Fortune language, S for Sam, T for Tom, N for Nelly. They're trading at 15 cents. They have the Apollo Hill gold resource in WA. It is 1.84 million ounces. It looks as though it's going to be a heap leach operation where they the gold is removed in acid and heat leach isn't that well understood in Australia. And the econ- preliminary economic studies have showed that this, this can be a profitable mine. And I look at valuations of gold in the ground and there's been some corporate activity where some creditors will pay $100 per resource ounce. Saturn is trading at $18.88 roughly per ounce in the ground, and that highlights the undervaluation of the stock. And there's also a chance of a Apollo Hill repetition in their tenement ground, and he also has a gold project over East. So that, at the moment, is one of my strongest buys. Stock's trading around $0.15. It is a quite thinly traded, tightly held stock. My second one is an oil and gas explorer, Triangle Energy, uh, Tango, Echo, Golf, and for the Wheel of Fortune officiados, it's a T for Tom, E for Ernie, G for Golf, which doubles up. And they have acreage Perth Basin. Now, the Perth Basin has been the subject of takeovers with Gina Reinhart and Minrez, Chris Ellison, paying a lot of money for the, the resources in that area. They are currently doing a capital raising at 1.6 cents with half an option. It is only a one for 17 rights issue. So they've, they've completed the placement. It was oversubscribed. And I'm suggesting to my clients to take up their rights in that and the stock hasn't traded X rights yet. Uh, I like I like the guy running it, um, Conrad Todd. I think he's a great manager. He's come out of, uh, out of retirement to turn this company around. And whilst oil exploration is almost as tough as investing in diamonds, 
the rewards are immense and some of these wells that are largely funded by joint venture partners have a one in oh, one, one of them has a one in five chance of success which is unheard of so I, I see this one has having four to five hundred percent upside potential on a successful well 30 to 50 down so the odds on that one are great Conrad's also building some other assets in the UK and other countries so that's a great one my favorite stock and joint stock of the year is a company called Red Metal Romeo Delta Mike R for Roger D for Desperate M for Mother they're trading around 18 and a half 19 cents their WA projects include grounds surrounding Rio's winery discovery. It's called Yari. That's in joint venture with BHP. And they have the Pardu project in the Pilbara, which is showing signs, potentially a Hemi lookalike, with the chance of a, a lithium discovery as well, even though lithium is as popular as a prom night pimple at the moment. So... But the real cheesecake for red metal has been a potential world-first rare earth oxide discovery near Mount Isa, which looks as though it's a monster. And if they can get that metallurgy to work, uh, I think that could be quite a big project. And I'm after a bit of a resurgence in rare earths. But that, to me, looks like the biggest uh, win of my career, I'm hoping, even though I've had some big winners, but... Um, all my clients are pretty much set in that one. So that's Red Metal. My fourth stock of the year that is Concurry based is Marotta of Metals. Uh, Mike, Mike, Alpha, M for Mary, M for Mother, A for Apple. They're trading about 23 cents. They have the Marotta lead, silver, and copper gold deposit, which is growing. The lead silver results. Have, have been pretty much close to surface. So there was some speculation that the resource was quite deep. That's turned into a shallow resource. I, I can see a bit of corporate activity around Moronan in that it, it's building into a decent resource near Cloncurry in Queensland. And the Queensland government, I think, might provide some assistance um, with that one. And interestingly, my previous stock, Red Metal, owned 52% of Moronan, plus I think they're a chance of getting some government money for the Rare Earth Cybella project as well. My fifth stock is a company called Allumen, uh, Alpha Uniform November, A for Apple, U for Umbrella, and Finelli. They're trading at about three and a half cents. They have a 946,000-ounce gold resource in sandstone. I think the sandstone region is primed for consolidation. There's potentially multi-million ounces in that region. So they, they've, they've struggled. They've really had a tough couple of years. They purchased sandstone with a convertible note instrument, which has been a, a bit of a handbrake. Uh, Brad Zalukas uh, who worked previously with Bill Beeman at Northern Star uh, at, at their Pogo mine in Alaska, I think has done a fantastic job to clean up somewhat the balance sheet and they're primed for growth. 
and I'm, I'm backing management here. I'm backing the sandstone regional consolidation play. And, and finally, some recognition that of gold stocks in Australia that, I mean, Oyaman's probably capped at around $10 an ounce in the ground. And I just see enormous potential for growth, even though the stock probably has to have a, a rest around here. So they are the five stocks right now I'm heavily focused on, Angela. Obviously, uranium has had a bit of a run early on in the in the year. What somatics do you think will dominate the resources space over the course of twenty twenty four? At the moment, I think we're I think we're fadless. I don't think there's any bandwagons happening right now. So I'm always hopeful that we get a big discovery, then we get like a regional bubble. And you look at Sirius, uh, you look at the Gawler Craffon bubble in the mid nineties. You look at Lachlan Fold belt runs. So it could all stem from a big drill hole. It could be the result of MA activity. Uh, does lithium make another comeback? I think investors' psyche has been squashed there. Uh, could it be rare earths? Look, I'm going to stick to gold, silver, and copper as my preferred sectors. I think uranium stocks are probably due for a bit of a nap. Um, so yeah, I just I stick to three boring commodities. But as we said in the past, coal and iron ore became sexy, and you know the iron ore price continues to defy gravity, despite Evergrande going broke and the Chinese economy pretty much turning to shit. So um, yeah, yeah. So after all that waffle, um, gold, silver, copper, Angela. Great, Tony. You've definitely given listeners a lot to think about there um thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast all right and good luck listeners and hopefully uh we come back at another time with some success and five new of my favorite children